0: Hello, my name is Miles Cheadle, and welcome back to another episode of the PS Plus. This is a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast, and it serves as a companion to another podcast called The Postscript. Now on that podcast, pastor and host, Brandon Briscoe speaks with pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. And here on this podcast, the PS Plus, we cover more focused topics in a series format, and right now we're moving through a series focused on Jesus Christ. This is actually our eighth episode in that series, and so if you're tuning in for the first time, I encourage you to go back and to, to catch up. In our last episode, we discussed the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we introduced his office as a priest. And today we will continue to unpack Christ's office as a priest as we study Christ's current ministry. Like, do you ever think about what is Jesus doing right now? You know, Jesus, he he lived this perfect life. He he died, he buried, he resurrected for our sins. He ascended into heaven with the promise that he's coming back. And it's 2,000 years later. Have you ever wondered just what's Jesus been up to? Well, if so, then this episode is for you. Today, we will study the current ministry of Jesus Christ. And so, let's do this thing. So, last week, we left off with the resurrection. After Jesus rose from the dead and spent 40 days ministering to his disciples bodily He ascended into glory. And Colossians chapter three tells us exactly where he ascended to. In verse one, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And so in Colossians chapter three, we learn that following his resurrection, Jesus ascended into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. In Ephesians, it further affirms this. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, it says, speaking of God's you know, great power, that God raised him, being Jesus, from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And so today, Jesus is physically located in the heavenly places on the right hand of the Father, fulfilling his role as the great high priest. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. And so Jesus, he's ministering in this true tabernacle in heaven, the one that the earthly tabernacle and even the cosmos are modeled after. Jesus is currently sitting on the right hand of the father, fulfilling his priestly duties. And y'all, I'm trying to, to build this up because I'm so excited to tell you what all that entails. And spoiler alert, it has nothing to do with sacrifices. He already took care of that. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 25 says, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. In Hebrews chapter nine, verse 24, it says, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. Why? For us. In Romans 8, 34, it says, It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercessions for us. And so again, last week we talked about the priests and how they function. You know, the function of a priest is to to be set apart, is to be a holy individual, and their, their role is to reconcile others back to God. And here we find that Christ's current ministry is that of a high priest who represents his people to God and makes communion possible between God and humanity. Isn't that incredible? Jesus is fulfilling this priestly role, reconciling us back to God. First Timothy chapter two says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And so I don't know what's going on in your life, the good or bad, but I do know that Jesus Christ, the son of God, he is praying and interceding for you. Isn't that comforting? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, sees you and is praying for you. You know, in Matthew 14, we find this incredible picture and foreshadow of this present reality. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus, he sent his disciples into a ship. He sends the multitudes away. And the scripture tells us that he would go up into a mountain apart to pray. In verse 23, it says, when the evening was come, he was there alone. And so here in Matthew 14, we find Jesus send the multitudes away, send his disciples away, and he separates himself from this world. He ascends up a mountain at evening. And in verse 24, we see that the story, it pans back to the disciples as Jesus is separating himself under prayer. And as we catch up with the disciples in verse 24, we see that these disciples, they're now in the midst of the sea and they're being tossed to and fro by these waves. And get this, you know, as you study nighttime throughout the Bible, it's this beautiful picture of the church age. And here we find the disciples laboring against contrary winds. And if we compare this contrary wind in Matthew 14 with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, we learn that this wind, it's a picture, it's a type of false doctrine. And so these disciples, they're laboring in the night. And guess what's happening just above them? From the mountain just above the sea, there's this beautiful picture of Jesus ascending the mountain, which is this beautiful picture of heaven, and Jesus can see them, and he's praying for them. And and what's even cooler than that is what follows in the fourth watch of the night just before dawn, we see that Jesus comes for them, which is this beautiful picture of the rapture. And so, you know, why do I say all this? Well, I say it to comfort you. You know, I received this awesome text message today from a dear friend. His name is David Mulo. And he's one of my most intentional friends. And he texts me to tell me that he loves me and that he's praying for me. And this is out of the blue. This is out of nowhere. It's unprovoked. You just, you know was thinking about me. And so he started taking me to the Lord. And man, that just warmed the cockles of my heart. You know, you don't even know that you have cockles in your heart. And so they get all warmed up. But man, that was so encouraging. That was so comforting to me. And so, you know, you should be comforted knowing that Christ prays for you. But you should also be Christ-like. And maybe the most Christ-like thing that you can do right now on earth is to have an active life of prayer where you are interceding on behalf and lifting up other brothers and sisters to the Lord. I mean, look at Paul's example. I mean, almost every epistle he begins saying how he, he loves these people and how he ceases not to pray for them. Right? Paul says to Rome, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. To Corinth, he records, I thank my God always on your behalf. To Ephesus, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. To the Philippians, he says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always. In every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, and on and on and on, the apostle Paul he was always praying for the saints. And he calls us to follow his pattern. And so today, Christ ever lives to intercede for you. And the knowledge of this, it should comfort and empower you to continue laboring knowing that he's watching, knowing that he's for you, and knowing that he's with you. But it should also produce in your heart a prayer for others. And as we close, I want to leave you with one last thought. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, we get, again, one of the most comforting passages in the Bible. Jesus, he's speaking to his disciples. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Let not your heart be troubled. Our Lord is so tender towards us. You know, this last aspect of Christ's current ministry that we'll talk about is a ministry of preparation. Jesus tells us that just like a good husband he is preparing a home for his bride, but not just any home. He says, in his house are many mansions. Like I can't even wrap my head around that statement. Do you guys remember, oh, what was it? Um, Ty Pennington, extreme home makeover edition, whatever it was, you know, where they're moved the bus they latch on to these obscure, you know, fascinations from some five-year-old and they create some whole Barney themed room knowing good and well that this kid's going to outgrow Barney like next week, right? Well, all that to say, Jesus, he is the better Ty Pennington. He's preparing a home and it will be perfect because he'll be there. Today, Jesus is preparing a home and that home is for him and his bride. And the promise of scripture is that we don't have to be troubled because Jesus is coming back to receive us. And so i would be crazy not to ask, do you have a home in heaven? If so, then Colossians 3 commands us that if ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. So thanks again for joining us for another episode of the PS Plus. And if you don't know that you have a home in heaven, then I want to tell you some good news. Well, actually, it starts with bad news, but it gets good. So the bad news is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible actually tells us that due to our sin, all of us deserve and earn hell. We deserve torment, we deserve judgment, we deserve eternal separation from God. But God wasn't willing that any would perish. And so Jesus, he lived this perfect life that we couldn't. And he died a death that he didn't deserve. And Christ defeated sin and death in his resurrection, offering his own blood as this you know, eternal atonement for our sin, this blood sacrifice, this offering for the sins that we've committed. And the Bible tells us that we are saved from the death that we deserve by God's grace, activated by our faith. If we truly believe in the atoning work the death burial and resurrection of christ to deal with our sin problem and we simply cry out for help just as peter does on that same sea in matthew 14. immediately jesus will stretch forth his hand and save you so again thanks for tuning in to another episode of the ps plus I wanna invite you to join us again next time as we consider the second coming of Jesus Christ. God bless.